We've got uh, six really great goals to talk about this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. goals of course from uh, Mr Messi who no doubt we'll mention a little bit later on um, the other one was was a goal that went very briefly viral during the weekend even towards for people who don't normally follow Argentine football which we'll get on to in a second I'm Sam Kelly once again for what is it now the fourth or fifth time this year there is a gaping hole uh, to my right or rather the absence of one because Seba Garcia is not here again <laughs> Oh, yeah, sorry, Seba. Um, <laughs> the the two dance. He asked us not to take the Mickey out of him when he's here. Well, he should be. Here. He's, he's he should asking be here, for yeah. it basically. The two dance, as you can hear, are here: Australian Dan, hello, and English Dan, whose house we're currently sitting in, watching Santos against Internacional in the Copa Libertadores. Good day, mates. We've got it on uh, on mute, which is why you can't hear any excitable Argentine commentators screaming about these Brazilians who dive all over the place and what have you. The the sixth goal that I was talking about to clear that mystery up very quickly for those of you for whom it perhaps didn't go quite as viral as I was imagining um, was Diego Sosa's own goal for San Martín de San Juan or rather against San Martín de San Juan uh, for Estudiantes who beat them 1-0 on Saturday was it guys? Saturday Saturday night Um, possibly the funniest own goal of all time it was just fantastic I mean I had the pleasure of watching that game live which I don't often do on a Saturday night but um, having to find myself in front of the TV looking no you know San Martín Estudiantes could be an interesting game and to be honest I was gobsmacked at the first I don't think the people watching knew what was going on the commentators <laughs> were stunned this big pause the, but no, <laughs> the crowd just went absolutely silent they didn't know and then it kind of sunk in that it was a goal it was I think for those of you who haven't seen it I'm sure Sam and Leblow would just I, I with a link on hand because yeah. uh, it has yeah, as Sam mentioned it has gone pretty wide on YouTube but basically it was um, Marabaseli the ex-Wigan striker who set it up he kind of broke free and took a took a decent shot parried away and Sosa you know calm as you like for well you know People are closing in, I've got time, I'll just clear it behind my own goal. And he struck it absolutely perfectly, but <laughs> it just flew into the back of his own net. It was so, so casually as well. It was, so all, casually, yeah, it was so almost as if he'd heard the whistle go for offside or something and had just decided to deaden the ball by, by sticking in the goal. So I think everyone couldn't really believe it. There was this yeah. really like a, a one second pause where everyone was just, what just happened? And then the commentator suddenly realized, that's a goal. And he was like, whoa! For me it seemed almost it seemed more like one of those cases where the striker will put the goal in and score and uh defender will come in and just like boot the rebound back into his own net. It was almost like that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's just outrageous. There was one fairly similar one about a year ago, two years ago, where was it Aguirre or someone for Yes, Aguirre put in uh 
That's Donkey Kong. That was San Lorenzo. similar, but I think this one was even better. Yeah, because mm. I think Elisa Gire was under a bit of pressure. And right. Yeah. But that was another one where he was just standing there and just belted it into his own goal, yeah. <laughs> which is fantastic to watch. Absolutely. A, a result as well, which leaves Estudiantes, I think, still unbeaten at the start. Yeah. They've drawn, uh, won to and, and drawn to. It's a complete reversal from... Well, it's not a complete reversal from what they did at the start of the upper tour when they, they drew to and lost to, but they've, they've switched one of those twos into the correct column. Um, and, and they're already doing much better than they did at any point in, in 2012. Well, it kind of continues. Yeah. It kind of continues the form they showed towards the end of the Apertura. Mm. So yeah, they're they, unbeaten in what eight games? I nine think games towards now? the end, yeah, because they had a torrid time under Russo. Mm. He took over, you know, he's a bit of a favourite Estudiantes, and there was quite a lot of um, quite a lot of hope when he took over. And I, he'd be lucky if he won even one or two games, uh, maybe one during the 11 or 12 games he was there. Yeah. Got, Resigned unsurprisingly, and then um, Cross. I'm going to forget the name of the Estudiantes coach here, Aranzabal. Asconsabal. Asconsabal. I was close. Like. Yeah. Uh, well, as my poor knowledge shown there, he's a pretty pretty unknown figure in Argentine <laughs> football. Good, good illustration of that. Yeah, I thought, you know, if us experts don't know, that kind of shows so the unknown entity that he does. Yeah, exactly. And I think he took over as the interim manager once Russo left him because he did a good job he's been given the chance and I don't know there's always a danger that you know uh, Argentine directors are suckers for a, for a big name so even if he does reasonably well this year there's no guarantee he'll be staying on sure. I'd say in June but he's definitely making the best of it at the moment and Absolutely. making this team play um, in, in terms of that moment of madness as well there was another one which was one of those where you get in five minutes in my case get home five minutes after the beginning of the game switch it on the uh, the Santa Fe derby and you discover via Twitter that both managers have been sent off before kickoff, and you sort of sit down and think this is why I came here and this is why I like writing about the Argentine <laughs> Primera um, plus it started what 17 minutes late I think yeah because and why was it, it was partly of course that, that they got sent off for bringing their teams out late and, and one of them was it Sensini took the no Sensini was fine uh, who's Elka, I think they're like Sunyon's manager. Yeah, um, he went absolutely nuts. I think I wasn't yeah. watching, but um, yeah, it was a, I mean, it's a, we talked about it last year. One of these, the, the rule about um, being on time after half time and at, at the start of the match, and um, they were both out late. Um, Sensini took it okay. He, he just left, got sent off, and, and Kudelka just went absolutely nuts, and the game ended up starting 17 minutes late, um, which is yeah, one of those things. I can't really understand why they get so upset about it because it's quite simple. Yeah, I know it's not like they're not, they're not aware of it beforehand. I know when this rule came in, we discussed it quite a bit because it was a real problem. We all recognised it with, especially not so much at the at kickoff, but definitely at half time we were yep. having half times of twenty minutes up to twenty five minutes, half an hour even, and it was it was frankly ridiculous, kind of especially since. One game, you know, under the AFA guidelines and the football paratos, they can't. One can't kick off until right. the others finish. So, you were just, you know, you went to a match which was maybe the nine o'clock kick off, and you were guaranteed to be half an hour behind the schedule at that time. And, yeah. you know, we don't, we're not in the habit of praising the AFA much, but this rule, you know, it might seem a little draconian, but it definitely has made a made an impact. And referees have. I've enforced it as well. Which yeah, this is the first time we, we've heard about it for a while, so yeah. um, it was funny to get a little reminder of it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, the only other sort of linked one, which which wasn't the Primera, but it was on Football Paradodos over the weekend. Uh, the two other managers who got sent off on Friday night were Matias Almeida of River Plate mm, and Ricardo Caruso Lombardi of Kilnes. We didn't see that one coming, really. Yeah, and, and I think it's fair to say probably the the funniest um, red card incident of the weekend. <laughs> uh, whilst I was saying that's uh, Santos have just scored from the penalty spot via Neymar. This is how much of a an all-in kind of Argentine football podcast we are. Yeah. We even give you updates on stuff that happened last night. On, on Neymar's bid to, to equal Messi's five goals. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, towards the end of Rivers' nil-nil draw with, with Quilmes, um, Alejandro Dominguez, Rivers' playmaker, got brought down in the area. Uh, I actually have to say I, I didn't see it. But I, I mean, I didn't see the foul. I mean, I happened to have my head turned away from the screen when it happened. I've seen replays since, and as everybody said on Twitter at the time, it was a nailed-on penalty, which was not given by the referee. Um, so Almeida predictably got very angry, um, got sent off, and then Caruso Lombardi sort of was picking out both Almeida and uh, Choi Dominguez, both of whom have sort of long, flowing, just-for-men style locks, um, and started theatrically pushing his hair behind his ears as if he was preening himself in the mirror he even did the like nail polish like he pointed to his nails like he was painting yeah. on nail polish and, yeah. and, and, and this whole and, and he, was, then, uh, he was mouthing the word uh, puto as yes well. exactly and in, uh, in Dominguez's direction which is something that never mind sending off if you'd done it in England would have got you probably a five man band as a manager <laughs> um, I think it's but, uh, that, that's the equivalent to an English manager shouting pufta at an opposing player uh, for those of you who, who don't speak any Spanish uh, gone up I was going to say it's kind of interesting that um, Dominguez was the one that, that caused that little fracas because um, probably most of our listeners and maybe our host I don't know maybe this will be a little bit of education uh, Dominguez has a pretty checkered history with Quilmes I believe he started his career with, with Quilmes he, they kind of saved him he was a bit of a terror away as a kid and he actually got his nickname Chori it was from um, Chorro Oh, yeah, not from Sausage from Sandwich. no from FIFA basically. Okay. So it was uh, it was a little FIFA apparently. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, and then I think he left under a bit of a cloud, and I believe there was some sort of one of these uh, gentlemen's agreements that when he came back to Argentina, it would be with Quilmes. But he's ended up in River, and I know I've got a couple of close friends who are Quilmes fans, kind of very. Um, very kind of erudite individuals. I'm, I'm talking seriously here. And That's kill most fans tend to be. Yeah. Well, this guy, this guy in particular is, you know, very knowledgeable about the club and very reasonable. And he's kind of said, yeah, uh, Chori is just about, you know, the most persona non grata that he mm. can be in uh, in Quilmes. Uh, so the fact it was him that that caused the yeah. war is is quite fitting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, moving back to the Primera now because we've done our sort of. Nod, like nod to every other couple of weeks kind of uh, nod towards uh, River um, actually we'll, we'll probably I'll, I'll just since we are going to stop talking about River just just mention that that 0-0 draw combined with uh, Instituto beating Rosario Central was it 3-0 in the end yeah. or 4 uh, 3-0 the following day means that Central uh, sorry Instituto are now two points clear again at the top of the the Bay Nacional um, the weekend just gone saw River Quilmes which was first against joint second and Instituto who are also joint second against Central who were fourth so it was a really big weekend um, had the results gone slightly differently River might well have been five points clear but as it is they're now two behind again we had one question about Instituto didn't we didn't we I think we did. well 
look through these now. We've got your, your questions work, listed yeah. in, in computer form this, this week. We've not just scribbled them down onto a bit of paper. So we're feeling very much much more professional. We do not, however, have a question about your computer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it might be, in, might be on Twitter to all of us. I'm pretty sure maybe Ed asked it. That's all right. Ed, Ed asks plenty of questions. Yeah. He'll get a chance next week. Sorry, Ed. I think he just wants us to talk about TV. Or himself. Um, <laughs> anyway. Oh, oh, God. He turns up late. He forgets the microphone. And now... Nice. Australian nuns not having the best of days, <laughs> ladies and gents. Read it out for the podcast. Listen. No, no, it was just a... Um, it was just a mess, uh, missed phone call. Okay, good. Does that sound like Sex in the City to you? Because apparently that's Sex in the City. I didn't. That's where I recognised it from, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, it, it does. Nice. I say recognised. I mean, I've heard that that's what the Sex of the City mm, thing right. sounds no, like. No, other uh, Primera results that really stand out. Well, actually, let's just go through all of them. Balls to it. Um, Newell's nil, Belgrano two, on Friday night, followed by Banfield one, Godoy Cruz one, which kind of suggests to me that Banfield are becoming a little bit less shit. They're back. Um, I wouldn't go quite that far. But they've they've now got what is it? Four points in the last... Yeah, after, after their defeat of... Okay, it was only harassing. Still. <laughs> um, they've now got four points in their last two matches, uh, yeah. which is equivalent to over one-third of the points they managed in the whole of the Apertura. <laughs> so um, they're on a bit of a, a run of form at the moment. Um, All Boys nil, Meles nil, the first of those games since All Boys were promoted to the Primera that hasn't finished in an away win. Independiente won. They scored. Yeah, they did score. They scored. Roberto Bation. The no, they didn't actually, no. Um, no, that was the first one. Uh, yeah. Versus Argentinos, who scored three, unfortunately. So Independiente have still lost all four of their matches. San Martín Estudiantes, we've already covered. Diego Sosa's own goal was the only one in the match for... Uh, well, to give Estudiantes the win. San Lorenzo nil, Boca 2, which I'm, I imagine we'll talk about shortly. Union 2, Colón 2, the Santa Fe derby, which we've mentioned the managers in already. Um... Arsenal nil, Racing nil. Damn, let's get this out of the way now because the answer is going to be no. But anything to talk about from that game? No, it's not really. Is there <laughs> nothing uh, really it was, happened? It was a match that could have been another score. It wasn't a nil-nil. You know, lots of action and both keepers played well. I think you told me Arsenal probably had Arsenal. Probably yeah, they on. they edged it. I'd say they edged it, and Saka was fantastic in goal, formidable. I'd say. And yeah, apart from that, you know, it was a draw. Racing needed something, and uh, I think taking a point away from Sarandi with the Arsenal team there is is not a disaster. It's not great, but it's not a disaster. That's about as good as I can say. Sort of glimmer of hope at the uh, glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. Is it? I put it more grasping at straws if we're going to go for any metaphor. Yeah, Racing still uh, I, I'm going to make a point about that actually in a second but I'll just run through the rest of the results uh, Tigre beat Lanús 1-0 to keep up their charge we'll be talking about that shortly as well the the final game on, on Monday night Olimpo 2 Rafaela 1 1 in the final almost the last touch of the game with a, a penalty from Martin Rolle after an absolutely ridiculous tackle from Rafaela defender Oscar Canielo who went in at stomach height on one of Olimpo's forwards um I think more clumsily than, than viciously. I think he was kind of running towards the guy and slipped and ended up studying him in the stomach accidentally. But all the same, only got a yellow card, which, which was extraordinary, really. Um, 
what else did we have to the, the, the Cologne derby we've already mentioned the managers but we've not really talked much about the game It was. did, did you manage to catch any of it Dan I, I guess you were on the way to Racing weren't you I was on the way to Racing um, or rather to Arsenal um, did you watch it um, not really you were watching the other derby that was on at the same time because in the effort yeah, well. in their wisdom decided to when, when they've got the whole gamut of Argentine TV stations and and timetables to choose from decided to schedule the two classicals of the weekend San Lorenzo Boca and Union Colón at exactly the same time although as it happened as we've mentioned the Santa Fe one was 15 minutes late in kicking off um, but Union will feel like they've won again Colón went in at half time with the 2-0 lead two goals from Ivan Moreno and Fabianesi and Union yes it is the one person not to um, and Union ended up coming out with a 2-2 draw to add to the 2-0 away win that they got during the Apertura um, so they're enjoying the derbies this year I mean are they they're the lowest placed of the, the promoted sides I think I'm right in saying in the, in the relegation standings I'm going to check that now I've said it yes it's true they're currently in fact in a, in a relegation playoff space but do we think they can kind of press on and get out of it again they, they did this last during the Apertura they kind of started off slowly and then and picked it up in the second half I think they're one of the weaker of the, the promoted sides so I think they'll probably struggle yeah. mm. you can see I think they're just just above Tigre now in the relegation Tigre obviously occupying the last automatic relegation spot as we'll probably talk about that plucky bunch of adventurers a bit a little bit later the mighty duck coming off the yeah maybe newer than mighty duck oh. yeah <laughs> but yeah I think it's going to be tough for Union obviously now they're getting into the final straights of the season and this is where the kind of difference in their points for only having played one season is really going to start counting they need to yeah draws aren't really good enough for them anymore especially if Digre keep winning they they're going to have to start picking up some wins. If Tigre win next weekend, and next weekend, sorry, well, this coming weekend, Tigre are away, but they're playing Banfield. Um, and if they can win, if, if they win that, and if uh, Union fail to beat Rafaela away, then incredibly, Tigre are going to be out of the automatic relegation spots. Um, in addition to which if San Lorenzo lose as well as those two results going the same way Tigre are going to go level with San Lorenzo on, right. on total points the amazing points stat was that uh, at the start of the season Tigre was 17 points behind San yeah. Lorenzo in this relegation table and now they're within three which is absolutely incredible it is, it, it's just I mean we we, we said you, you and, and me and Joel Richards uh, in the Apertura preview when we were kind of from the relegation point of view obviously previewing the entire season as well um, all said Tigre are down we would have loved them to stay up but mm-hmm. there was no way they were going to be able to do it and they're on the verge for the first time this season of getting out of the, the automatic spots um, it's, it's still it's still going to be really I mean they've done it oh, until yeah. now and then they're going to have to keep it up and they're going to have to not get injuries and, and so forth but it's, it's fantastic that they're, they're giving it a, a crack mm, absolutely um, and even if they end up in, in the playoff spot they're going to have done it by being for basically the whole season absolutely on fire um, and as we've been saying, they're actually playing nice football. football they they, they, um, yeah, they, they play with the system. In the Clausura table, they're currently joint top with with champions Boca. Um, both those sides have won three and drawn one and lost none. Both have scored six. Tigre have conceded one and Boca still <laughs> have yet to concede. The other side have yet to concede. Uh, one of the teams you saw, Dan, on um, on Saturday, all boys. Yeah, best defensive record in the league together with Boca what do you say to that well they we think they're just a bunch of thugs they it was um, it was a, a very nice atmosphere it, it's got very much a, a classical atmosphere uh, mm. 
I guess they, they pretty much treat it as a classical. Um, so they're not very far apart. No, they're quite close. Um, no, the, the game was quite dull. Uh, there were very, very few chances. I think both sides went in happy with the draw because Velez uh, men away draw to all boys. It's fine for them. All boys a, a draw to, to, to Velez. It's fine. Uh, and they, there were very few chances. Um, so there's not much to say else about that game. Um... I'm trying to work out what else we can say about the other matches now. Lanús have now lost well, two in a row in the league, three in a row if we include the um, heavy defeat in the Copa Libertadores last week. Are they coming off the boil or whatever? Because we were discussing it after the very first week. We were saying how good Lanús were in that 4-1 mm-hmm. thrashing of San Lorenzo and we were saying that Racing were going to be crapping out of the title race for this season and English Dan said that we were saying at least about Racing too soon and as it proves we've so far been proven right at least absolutely 100% right with no <laughs> possible error for mar- uh, margin for error in the future but Lanus have now lost two in a row so we're being made to look slightly foolish by praising them and calling them a competent team yeah, aren't we? That gives me some consolation I must say Yeah, I, again I think we did talk about it with Joel last week um, once they were probably out of the the Libertadores if they do in fact go out in the group stage we'll probably see them re- um, a resurgence from them in the league mm. and they'll probably finish sort of fourth or something um, again but yeah it's, it's proving a bit of a distraction at the moment absolutely yeah uh, the other th- th- there are three other teams that we've not yet mentioned who've not lost all boys are obviously won because if you don't concede goals uh, then you, you can't lose matches um, Estudiantes as I sort of hinted at earlier on I said they hadn't lost any uh, or another and Veles are the other ones so those are your early kind of front runners all boys on 8 Estudiantes on 8 Veles on 8 and then Tigre and Boca ahead on 10 um, but it's we, we talked last week about how this is really a, a let's say reverse golden age for Abeshaneda football with both <laughs> Independiente <laughs> and Racing um, still yet to win and I, I now realise that, that Union drew the Classico but, but are um, still yet to, to win a game from their opening four games and the other there are, there are four teams in the Primera um, who, who have yet to win a match Union are one and the other three Independiente de Racing and Arsenal are all mm-hmm. from that sort of I mean the okay, Arsenal are from Sarandi rather than Novechaneda but yeah they're all from that same area so um, it's almost as if there's something in the water of, of the, the southern bank of the Riachuelo but it doesn't seem to be affecting Boca on the oh, north so. yeah. Well, yeah, there definitely is something in the water of the Rio Chuelo. Yeah, I think any of us can deny that. I find it quite a comforting smell now because now when I cross the river, it means I'm going to Racing. So, so it's usually quite, you know, I associate it with maybe more happy, happy thoughts than most of the Porteño population. On the downside, when you cross the river, you're going to see Racing. Well, yeah, but it's still, it's still good fun. But I think, you know, for as bad as the Racing have been in these first four games, we just have to look at Independiente who have equaled I think their worst ever start to a season uh, they've lost their coach um, Ramon Diaz quit following a yeah, loss on Saturday yeah. and yeah I think there was a wonderful bit of a pathetic fallacy during that game because the lights just went out in the stadium yeah. for about 16 minutes or 17 minutes and it was just kind of the perfect metaphor for how Independiente were, were doing at that time just plunged into darkness Indeed, and we've actually had a question about Independiente from um, from Roy Neymar, who's a, a contributor to, to Seba's website, Mundo Avi Celeste, um, who who says, uh, hang on a second, I've misread this. 
No, no, that is him. He's asked us to. Uh, he says, could even somebody like Sergio Aguero fix Independiente's current goal-scoring run, or are they just that hopeless at the moment? And um, okay. I don't know whether Roy saw what Facundo Parra said on ESPN Sports Center and, well, actually on several other sports channels as well, because it was a kind of press conference impromptu outside the press, uh, outside the training ground the other day. Um, but on Monday, Parra, who, first of all, we should say is, is a quite a disastrously bad striker, at least on his form so far this season. Um, and secondly, is, is not the brightest tool in the box. Um, that doesn't make... That, that's a very mixed metaphor. <laughs> not the sharpest not the sharpest tool in the box. Um, came out and, and said in front of the press... Um, he, he didn't specify which one he was talking about, whether it was the, the heavy-boned, retired one or the current Portuguese sensation. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. But he said... Um, even Ronaldo wouldn't score for us if we signed him right now. And then he kind of double-checked himself and went, well, I mean, Ronaldo, you know, he probably <laughs> would. But you know what I mean. Um, which I found hilarious. I almost fell off my chair laughing at it. But the, the people on Fox or ESPN or whoever it was were reporting just put up the, the first right. bit of that quote on, at the Same bottom of the screen, unfortunately. Um, Long-term listeners might remember us talking about um, Para as the, as the guy during Independiente's Copa Sudamericana run who, kept, who lifted up his shirt and had a, a picture of his, yeah, his Labrador who was, yeah. who was sick or something and, and got better and whatever. Uh, yeah, that's, that's Para. Yeah. I've completely forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah. um, no, to go back to the question, I think it's safe to say from what we all know about the standard of the Argentine league at the moment, you put someone like Aguero or you know even Ronaldo in there and they're going to score a hat full of goals you would have thought and the same goes for kind of the dream in uh, Racing is that you know Lisandro Lopez is going to come streaming back into town on his white horse and start you know banging in 40 goals but yeah I think obviously Aguero would be the best by probably about 3,000 miles in um in Independiente's team if he came back he, and he would do well but he was when he was 15 years old exactly so yeah. certainly would be now yeah and I think the team's only got worse since then yeah uh, yeah I think at the moment they just look so bad across the whole pitch I think even their keepers which mm, in the last either. two three years at least have kind of have saved them um, are making mistakes um, Ilario did a hilarious mistake Ilarios yeah Yes, yes, anyway, it was, uh, no, yeah. and you're quite right. It's you're an, it's an it was quite a brilliant. Yeah, there was a shot hit straight at him from um, what was it, Morales, for Argentinos, from a mile out, and, and he sort of palmed it away, caught it, and then it just flipped yeah. up out of his hands and over his shoulder into the goal for the for Argentinos second, I think it was. Um, it was Bordagaray. Uh, um, yeah, the, the former. Actually, is he still with River? Is he on loan at Argentina or something? I whatever? think he is at loan. Um, or he was on loan at River and now he's on loan at Argentina. So it's hard to yeah, so. we'll uh, say he's there at least. Exactly, he's yeah. he's currently playing football for Argentina Juniors. Yeah. That's, so that's he, what matters. Yeah. Now it's with every single um, kind of second independiente, they're saying that um, Amerigo Gachigo is going to come back. Mm. But the problem is that he still owed money from 2002 when they won the league. I believe it's to do with a bonus or some sort of um, some sort of debt to the club. So he's kind of maintained over, over the last three years at least when they've wanted him back that that debt has to be cleared in order to come back. There was a quote from him yesterday saying that he might be uh, disposed to, to give up 
some some of that. Some of it, yeah. But uh, the yeah, is, have none of it. Have none. Exactly. I think yeah. The debt is a hundred million pesos now. Which uh, yes, yeah. Which mm. for for international listeners using my very high tech. Yeah. Um, it's about twenty two million dollars. It is. That's a very good guess. Actually, it's twenty-three point zero nine yeah, million. Well, um, I'm a bit of a rain man when it comes to um, currency exchange. Clearly, just as an aside, it might be a discussion for another podcast, and probably better when Sebo's here. Is that uh, I find it incredibly boring how the same coaches, the same names, keep coming up. They'll, they'll fire someone and they'll hire someone who just got you know like Estudiantes yeah. hiring whatever Russo. It's just I don't know. I'm, I'm very fitting that you mention it in relation to Seba because of course Seba's team and, and English dance team currently have one of them and uh, Alfio Basile has been is it his fifth current it's the current spell in charge of wrestling is the fifth time he's been I mean, they get fired yeah. they go somewhere else if, if you include years. caretaker spells yeah. 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 and it's his um, fourth time as a manager and he was there once as a player yeah. right Yeah. so it's fifth spell at the yeah. club and, okay. but then for Basile you know this is Spanning a spell, you know. I think he took over the first, for the first time in something like 1983 when he took him back back up to Primera. So, you know, it's not exactly like you know he comes back and goes every every other year. Oh no, no but it, I mean, it's, we're talking about spell, but there's, so, there's no uh, new blood being brought in. That's the, no. you, you you can look at it another way and say that Racing is still now turning towards a manager who was their manager in 1983. Yeah, <laughs> and to be honest, for me, I wasn't. You know, obviously, it's brilliant to have. Um, have Coco back. He's a club legend. The fans love him. The players love him. He's he's got a weight about him. And you know, continuity is a good thing in, in managerial terms as well. So. well. Of course, yeah. But I did have I did have this kind of nagging doubt, which I kept to myself when he first took over, and it's kind of been coming more and more clear to me as the seasons as the seasons dragged on. I think I would have really <laughs> liked dragged on. It's only four days. Well, it, it has really on. it has really dragged on for us. Like <laughs> really dragged. I would have loved to see personally, kind of. One of these young guys, kind of a Zubelia, mm-hmm. who's in Ecuador at the moment and had a brilliant time with Lanús. I would have loved to see someone like him just being given the reins because yeah, I think that's what I'm talking about. I mean. Yeah, you get the feeling with Coco maybe that I'm not going to say he's he's off, he's off touch, but you get the idea that maybe some of his um, tactics are outdated, his uh, uh, methods, his uh, motivation. I, 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 I think that he showed that in his last spell at Boca and his last in his spell with the national side. And yeah. He's. Uh, it's not fair to say because he's because he's so much older than the players. Because that was one of his critic was one of the criticisms when he was Argentina coach was that he was too old. But I mean, like you look at Alex Ferguson or something. Who's but he's somebody who adapts to the times. He changes. He's changed his tactics over the years uh, hugely. Yeah. Whereas um, Coco's been in and out. he left three years out and then come back. And, and he's playing the same. He's playing the the ancient Argentinian system that he's always played yeah. basically. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's for me. He's passed it, but. Aside from that, uh, just the fact that the, it's always the same eight or ten names rotating yeah. around. Like now, Caruso Lombardi is being linked with the San Lorenzo job. I mean, uh, by himself, by himself. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, God knows he likes to talk, but also, as English Dan was mentioning just before we started recording, by uh, San Lorenzo. I don't know whether he actually has an official sort of position, does he, Tinelli? He's just sort of chief financier. Yeah, he's the guy who puts more money into San Lorenzo than anyone because he's probably the only San Lorenzo fan that has any money apart from um, Aragon. He's a, yeah. And, yeah, he's, so he, he's, he's a TV host here. Yeah, he's a media mogul, TV host, producer, owner of various channels and whatnot. He's the sort of... I'm trying to think of a, a, an English equivalent. You for could him. say he's someone, like, um, someone like an Elton John for Watford who he was 
chairman once, but he also has given money even when he hasn't been in an official role, I think. Yeah. Someone along those lines, I guess. I'm going to put the, the dictaphone down now so that we can recharge our glasses, and when we come back, we're going to answer a few of the more sensible... <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> we're not as many of them as we can get through of the questions that you lovely people have been tweeting us over the last few hours, so don't go away. Okay, we're going to come back and zip through these questions uh, relatively quickly, actually. I don't think any of them call for very much deep discussion, which is a good thing because we don't have time for it um, this evening, unfortunately. The first one is from F98FROH. Um, these are Twitter usernames, not people's names, just in case you're confused and don't know what technology is. Um, he says, Will Sabella ever start Messi plus Kun plus Aguero plus Pastore? Or is he likely to prefer Messi plus Kun plus Di Maria plus Sosa with JP and GH on bench? Um, for anybody who's coming to Argentine football for the very first time with this podcast, I shall decode this. Sabella is the manager of the national team. Kun is Sergio Aguero. Um, and JP and GH in that very last clause are Javier Pastore and Gonzalo Higuain. Um, I think really, guys, this is probably more simply put as um, assuming all of those players are fit is he going to keep A preferring Di Maria um, who seems to be a bit of a favourite and B preferring the fact that Sosa is a bit more of a runner from midfield let's say and, and yeah, I think the on. answer is simply yes at this yeah. stage um, he's, he's, it's quite possible that he could play those three strikers um, with probably Sosa behind and, and Di Maria mm. coming in from the left as well um, but, yeah, he seems hesitant to put Pastore in the, in the mix as well at this stage, anyway. Certainly from the start, at the very least, yeah, it would be an incredibly attacking line. If I was trying to, during the break, work out in what kind of circumstances that would happen in. And I think the fact that, I, uh, that the international football doesn't involve two-legged ties, really, uh, kills it, perhaps, if they needed to really rack up the goal difference. Perhaps 60 last minutes into the World Cup final games. against Brazil, down yeah. 3-1, I could see him bringing in Pastore mm. or Sosa. Yeah. But it's, that, that, I mean that, that would be considered an exceptionally attacking lineup, um, you know, for any international side. It's not as if we're calling Sabella overly defensive because he doesn't play like that. Uh, even if a lot of Argentines certainly do like to call Sabella overly yeah, that's, defensive. That's kind of four players who you have to kind of take out of doing much in the way of defensive duties. Mm. I think, yeah, I'd, I'm not saying it's my my particular preference, but I'd say that. He'd be much more likely to line up with the second four there, yeah. Or yeah. you know, with the one, the one kind of doubt in that if he plays Aguero or if he plays Higuain, yeah, sure. That yeah. So I think those four kind of uh, Messi, Messi, Cuno, Higuain, Di Maria, and Sosa is probably going to be the most offensive four of his, yeah, his team at the moment. Maybe. Um, Brian Murray, who I think also sent us a question last week, but it was by email. Um, this this one's by Twitter and his username if you want to follow him is is T A J A M U L C O zero eight um, has tweeted us saying when I was at a match in the Platea which is the 
decent seats basically along the side of the pitch rather than behind the goal the police searched us very closely does this happen in the popular because anything seems to get in there um the first thing that that i thought when reading that question was that i've been in the plateau loads of times and haven't really had a single close search of uh i've been patted down more thoroughly in some places than others yeah I mean, I'm not denying that, that, it, that it happened, but I'm saying, generally speaking, I think probably Brian, you were unlucky to get searched as closely as he did, even in the platea. Um English Dan can probably tell us more about the Popular and how much the security there is. Yeah. I can tell you, yeah, quite a lot about the Popular in Racing, at least, and also for away games, which is probably what my two esteemed colleagues haven't experienced as much yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Racing Popular actually is very relaxed if you kind of. <clears throat> If you go in early, you, you basically have to go through two lines of security to get into kind of the, what would you call it, kind of the grounds of the stadium. The concourse. The concourse, yeah, the concourse is a lovely thing, which is, yeah, which isn't segregated, obviously, between uh, Popular and Platea, and then when you're going into the Popular itself. And, no, to be honest, this, in Racing, they're pretty, they're pretty laid back, unless it's kind of a very, uh, a game where there's expected to be a bit of tension and whatnot, they might check you a bit further, but usually, you know, you get a quick pat on the pat on the leg, and they let you through. Sometimes not even that; they just tell you go through because they can't be bothered. Yeah. Away games, on the other hand, uh, are a whole different kettle of fish. Um, especially if you if you go outside of Buenos Aires to watch a game, uh, watching a Buenos Aires club because basically everyone from wider Argentina isn't very f- fond of uh, people from Buenos Aires. Argentines think the same way of people from Buenos Aires as people in the rest of Latin America think about Argentines. Exactly, yeah, that's, that's not a bad way to sum it up. So, same for example, um, our trip to Mendoza to see Gore Cruz the other day. Um, I think three of our group actually couldn't get into the game and spent the entire game in the police station because not, yeah, they didn't get as far as being patted down, they failed a breath test going into the, cl- into the, um, into the ground. Wow. So, yeah, I think, and they will, they'll take uh, cigarette lighters off you. I know this wasn't actually a, an away game, this was going into the platea of a home game. I had my belt confiscated. So I think, I've, yeah. I've seen that happen in Mexico as well when um, I was advised not to take my camera yeah. to a match at the Estadio Azteca by the man who sold me the ticket, which I was very angry about because it's the Estadio Azteca. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I didn't bring that. And he also said, oh, and don't, don't bring your belt either. And I thought he was joking. Yeah. But just to be on the safe side, I decided to wear a pair of trousers that I knew were going to stay up without a belt. <laughs> and I cool. got to the stadium and the police were standing there making every single guy who walked through the gate yeah, take their belt off. And I thought, that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's hard to know what exactly you can do with a belt. But yeah. I mean, I, I was if you watch him wrestling, you could kind of tie it to one of the, yeah, yeah. One of the things and hang yourself from it. Like, I was more annoyed by the fact that I've, I've been to a game at the Estadio Azteca and have absolutely no photographic evidence to, to prove it. But, um, <laughs> no, but the, the other thing I was thinking as well was that obviously further to, to what Dan said about his experiences going through the turnstiles in, in the Popular, often the Barra Brava especially are given dispensation by the clubs to take stuff into the stadium days before the game. Yeah, yeah um, they might be searched like everyone else, but they exactly. don't have their yeah. and stuff in the there was a famous case at a river about five years ago when Jose Maria Aguilera was president um, of the police opening up the the stadium and, and searching it after somebody had been killed in one of the battles uh, for the power in, in Los Borrachos del Tablón, which is river's biggest barra brava. Um, and they opened up a, a store cupboard inside the stadium and found it full of, of guns and uh, knives and things. Yeah. Um, 
and obviously that there was something else just before the, one of the the two summer super classicos just just a couple of months ago in uh, in January. Um, in I think it was in Mendoza where they found that the Boca Barra Brava had buried a load of, of bottles and bags of Fernet and Coke, <laughs> which is yeah. the the drink that Hand of Pot is fueled by, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, underneath the the soil of the the area just outside the Popolan, they knew they were going to be given for that match. Like this is how ridiculous some of it gets. So you might well not have anything on you when you go through the the security pat down, but even the police are often very well aware that. You know, you could have <laughs> anything you want already inside the stadium for you. Um, I think, no, we can probably sum this up as saying it's hard to give a general rule. It often, you know, it will depend on the club, it will depend on the match, it will depend on where you're going in the stadium. But at the very least, you can probably expect to be kind of to be frisk going into a stadium, no matter where you sit. The sniffling that you can hear, long-term listeners will remember, we've not recorded here for ages. I've just realised. Is that Zombie is back, the hand of pod dog. Are you going to say hello, Zombie? And I have to say, I've not seen him for a while, and he's about twice the size he used to be. Yeah, he's a big boy. Zombie, say hello. Mm-hmm. He's now trying to eat the dictaphone, yeah. so I'm going to take it away from him. Um, okay, more questions. Brendan Titrud, whose Twitter username, very interestingly, is Make Ballet. Um, says, are River getting big crowds on the road at these second division clubs? Um, the one word answer to that is yes. Uh, the two word answer is yes, extremely. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that away fans are allowed back in in the second division now is because River is in the second division. Uh, they're selling out stadiums all over the place. They're having clubs at a very small stadia um, are often moving their matches to to considerably larger grounds so that they can take advantage of the fact that River fans are spending all their money going to see them and you know uh, so I yes did, I, <laughs> I didn't put it on there because it wasn't really a question but Brennan also suggested that we uh, get Tim Vickery on to talk about Copa Libertadores or uh, just interview him basically yeah, if he ever comes back to Buenos yeah. Aires yeah. Yeah. we will certainly try um, Brendan if you've not been been listening for for too long uh, have a look through our back catalogue because he did come on just before the Copa America um, to review the Klausura last year with us and to preview the Copa America so that might be uh, a podcast that you would enjoy and indeed the others if you've not already heard it might enjoy listening to um, Roy Namer's question we've already asked about Aguero for Independiente and how he would do um, he's also asked about Diego Sosa's own goal which we mentioned right at the start of the episode and Mike O'Neill uh, who is at Zook82 who oh, he tweeted us a question a few weeks ago as well I remember that username um, says how much benefit are Boca likely to get out of the new agreement with Barca uh, in case you haven't heard about this this is a, an accord that the two clubs have signed to um, share coaching expertise and, and it gives well uh, Barcelona's coaches are coming here to work with, with some of Boca's youth team in return for which Barcelona get first option on a measly 39 Boca youth prospects um, I don't think Barca are really getting very much value out of this, are they? <laughs> it'll be it'll be interesting for Boca because uh, I know it's uh, it's a bit of a cliche now in the Argentine press and amongst coaches, and people always point to the fact that people like uh, Iniesta and Xavi got it through the youth system with, despite not having much of a physical edge, and then they say, on the other hand, you know our our youngsters have been too kind of physically driven and you know bulked up for Europe, and it's all you know technical sides being. Been overlooked, so I think 
in the best case scenario for Booker, what this will get is they'll get a bit more of a Barca's youth expertise. They'll, you know, they'll get an insight into the secrets which helped them create players like, uh, obviously, Xavi, Iniesta, Messi, to a, a certain extent, Pedro, and all the other mm. players that have come through La Masia. So I think, yeah, the first options, obviously, they're not... I don't think it's going to harm Booker in any way. It's you know they're still going to get a fair price for each of their players. It's not like they've they're going to give them away. So I think no, yeah. exactly. the, the first option thing for for those who who aren't aware of what it actually yeah. means basically means that if Booker accepts an offer for, from another club of a certain value for one of those players, then they also have to accept an offer from yeah. Barcelona for for the same value. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that Barca are going to just be able to sign players on a free from Boca. No, not at all. So I think, yeah, I think it could be could be very beneficial for Boca. We we shall have to see the proof of the pudding will be in the as people like to say. As I was saying during the week, I think on Twitter, it's hard to think of many Boca players who've gone to Barcelona and been successful. No. Yeah. Uh, Rikelme. There's uh, well, Rikelme and Maradona are the, are the obvious examples, but. So uh, very levels of success, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, I think they did particularly well either. No. And then uh, Savio, uh, Savio, I don't want to talk about this one, I don't know. Savio is certainly a Boca player, no. Um, no, no, I, I agree. Perhaps historically, though, I, I, I can't remember, but. Um, so, in, in that sense, maybe, I don't know, perhaps, I mean, Boca is as known for perhaps having a more um, uh, sort of a, the tougher style of football rather than the. River would be the equivalent of the Barcelona um, pretty football staff so I don't know perhaps that'll help in that sense as well although ironically a lot of Argentine fans seem to believe I, I've, I've often found this and uh, I think it's possibly it comes out in conversation with me maybe more than you two might have noticed it because Barcelona are my, my Spanish team I have cousins who are from there um, and I'm a River fan here of course and, and they find this odd because to them River Plate are the equivalent of Real Madrid and Boca Juniors are the equivalent of Barca and this goes to the, to the point where they try and tell me oh no there are really close ties between the clubs and I think no there aren't yeah more than what to do probably with Barca, but yeah to do with social class and, yeah. and those yeah. kind of things rather than uh, footballing style but. yeah precisely um, and the, the other question uh, that we have is from Graham Holroyd whose Twitter username is Graham Holroyd um, who asks us should Benjamin Aguero be forced into jail if he doesn't want to become a footballer uh, Benjamin Aguero of course is a two year old child I think he's two um, who is the son of Sergio Aguero and the grandson of Diego Maradona um, gentlemen your opinions I think the big question is you know which uh, Maradona genes is he going to come across I think there's an advert in the, in the Argentine in Argentine TV at the moment which is fantastic about um Diego Maradona's older brother and um, basically saying he wasn't that much of a player and kind of showing his toils through uh, La League football getting substituted by a dog and whatnot. Hugo Maradona, Ugo Maradona. Is, uh, who, who I very very briefly met outside Argentino Junior yeah. Stadium once um, and who yeah basically made a footballing uh, career for himself out yeah. of being Diego Maradona's <laughs> brother <laughs> it's, yeah it's, it's quite, um, quite an entertaining advert to watch and it's kind of a very famous uh, Cuarteto song, which is all about Maradona, and this kind of a cover version on this one, you know, sort of lightheartedly taking the mickey out of um, Hugo. And no, we'll see, we'll see which of the Maradonas uh, Benja takes after, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. His middle name is also Lionel, not to forget. So, um, you know, if, yeah, I would pretty much throw him in jail if he doesn't become a footballer. 
I, I think it's very unfair to suggest that anybody should be uh, subject to such pressures um, and yeah, actually in a way I'd, I'd feel sorry for him if he did become a footballer because he'd have so everybody even against re- all reason would be expecting him to be the most incredible player of all time um, and there's well, no way he could possibly live up to it you know? I hate him if he's not as good exactly um, I really hate him a little bit staying on the subject for one second does anyone know what ever happened to uh, Maradona's illegitimate son? He's still yeah. playing in like Serie D or something. Right, because he was at Napoli very briefly, no? Yeah, yeah he's not very good. No. He, came, he came down here for a while, I remember, when he was trying to meet Diego and Diego oh. was ignoring him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so he's not going to be the next Maradona? No, he's like 28 well, now. <laughs> in one sense, of course, he is the next Maradona. He is, Maradona. Next. He is Maradona, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, we've been recording already for considerably longer than, than we were hoping to because we're in a bit of a rush this evening. Um, and I've just remembered that we've not even got round to Mystic Dan yet, so I'm going to, without further ado, play his theme music, um, and we'll come back and Dan's going to tell us what will not happen this weekend in the Argentine Primera. Mystic Dan, take it away. Um, yeah, I think last week I did really bad. Actually, I didn't. Probably would have been two or three. Uh, some surprise results there. But all right. So this week uh, I've got Newell's winning away to Colón, uh, Estudiantes Lanús draw, Argentinos San Martín draw, Racing All Boys draw, Belgrano to beat San Lorenzo, uh, Godoy Cruz to draw with Arsenal, Tigre to beat Banfield away. Rafaela to beat Union, Boca to beat Independiente, and Vélez to beat Olimpo. So you're going for all three of the results that I mentioned earlier, which would see Tigre climbing A level with San Lorenzo and B out of the automatic relegation. Um, I'm really excited about it, actually, and I'm not even a Tigre fan, but I really hope it happens. A lot of draws as well. Yeah, and one away win. Yep. No, two. Tigre and Newell's to win away. Uh, I've, I've now got Dan's list in front of me, which is hence the, the confusion. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who are listening and can't see us at the moment um, the Clásico Boca Independiente anybody think Independiente stand even a cat's no. chance in hell of, of winning it no I, I thought San Lorenzo would have had more chance yeah. last yeah. week than Independiente this Absolutely. week so, yeah. I, I completely agree with that um, excellent good we're going to get off now without further ado because I'm already late to meet an appointment and um that's not a good thing ladies and gents you, sh- you should never keep people hanging so I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to sign off now and we're going to very quickly down the pint of Fernet that we've each got uh, yeah of course English Dan can uh, in his usual manner drink it very slowly like a proper Argentine um, make it last all night but uh, <laughs> as the Archbishop said to the actress um, for now, anyway, ladies and gents, uh, we'll be back at more or less the usual time next week. Hopefully we'll be able to record on Tuesday and I'll be able to get the pod up on Wednesday. And from then on we'll be back to our normal s- schedule or schedule, I can never remember which is the British and which is the American way of saying it. English Dan, please say goodbye to the nice people. Goodbye, nice people. Australian Dan. Good night. And it's good night from me as well. Zombies already buggered off, so goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>